0: hey guys this is table talks with atares an inside look at the everyday conversations we have at our table i'm mj i'm ash and today we are talking about ashley's sleep problems what's wrong with your sleep love
1: i don't know if i knew then it wouldn't be a problem
0: yeah so i think in this episode we talk about embracing change and how this le- this started all from an episode of Andrew Huberman's podcast that you were listening to, mm-hmm. where he was talking to a pain expert, a pain expert.
1: Yeah, we'll call him
0: that. And so just a lot of little insights that you were able to glean from that. I think we're overlaying this conversation with just multiple conversations and sermons and discussions that we've had around idolatry. Mm-hmm. And then we rounded off with just things that you've been doing to help embrace the change that you're experiencing. And so here's our episode on sleep, change, and idolatry. <laughs>
1: Hope you enjoy.
0: <laughs> Tell me about it. The Andrew Huberman episode. Just like what, I know you just talked about it.
1: <laughs> I was listening to, I just love listening to his podcast and he was, let me actually pull it up. Who's he talking
0: to? Yeah, so this is Andrew Huberman.
1: The Huberman Lab.
0: And you and I have had different stretches of listening to him and adopting his methodologies because the guy's pretty academic.
1: He's smart. He's a smart guy, I'm not going
0: to lie. Yeah, and he's a professor. So we've been, you and I have been taking different sprints of listening to his podcast and you just listened to one that I haven't even seen yeah. yet or started listening to you
1: I was honestly curious about it what yeah. intrigued me about that was Graham and just kind of her stage of life and just different things she's experienced medically and I've been a lot more involved in her medical care since moving here because we had to switch all her doctors and everything and so and she didn't know how to get around necessarily when we moved here so I was just involved a lot more in that process and was able to hear everything that's actually like kind of her baseline of where so her health is. So
0: this podcast was about.
1: It was about is an interview with Dr. Sean Mackey for tools to reduce and manage pain. So he is the chief of division of pain medicine and professor of anesthesiology. Wow, he's a lot of things. Like, there's a whole slew of things in this yeah. in the show notes, but um, at Stanford University School of Medicine. So, this dude's a smart dude. But he talked about, I mean, his whole job is to help people who are in pain. Mm-hmm. And so he talks, about, I mean, they talked about a lot of different things. They talked about physical pain, mental pain, emotional pain. They talked about like, Physical therapy, to chiropractic care, to acupuncture, to opioids, to supplements. I mean, they talked about CBD. Like, they talked about a lot of different things.
0: And what was it that piqued your curiosity and made you want to listen to all of it? I don't know if I want to out (laughs) Graham. Well, you kind of said you were curious about it because of Graham.
1: Yeah, I was. I was curious about it. That's kind of what piqued my interest. It was mm-hmm. just, hmm, I wonder what he has to say about pain. But also, I have been since my labors and just getting in my mid 30s, I've been experiencing pain in different ways. Like I feel like an old person because no. if I sit too long, you know, I'm just like, what is happening to me? This is like I'm way too young to be mm-hmm. feeling back pain when I'm sitting for too long. So, just things like that, where I was like, hmm, "I'm curious what he has to say about that," and I don't know all his thoughts on all the things.
0: Do you have any takeaways?
1: I the thing that stood out to me. I mean, the, these episodes are like two hours, so right. it was a lot to get through. Right. <laughs> so I just don't think I am able to coherently state a good summary of what Come that on,
0: episode. Just what's um, your like? What's your like? The one takeaway, thing,
1: though, that I really thought was a good point, yeah, and helpful f- for me. I feel like I can like take that away and apply it in my life. Was that he mentioned? There's a difference between someone who is in pain and someone who believes or knows that they're injured, and those two people operate in life very differently. And an example he gave was where, um. He had a meeting with a guy who had a sports injury and the guy thought he was injured Mm -hmm. based on whatever kind of assessment or medical care he had received prior to coming to his office. And so he walked in with crutches and thought he wasn't gonna be able to play his sport. I don't even remember what his sport was again. And the guy was like, you can totally play with this. Like, it's not going to take you out, but it is going to be painful if you play with it. And he said the guy literally left his office without the crutches and was like, oh, okay, I'm going to go play. And so it just was a mindset of this guy feeling like he was injured versus just being in pain. And so for me, kind of what I took that to mean was even something as simple as like I've been really trying to repair my sleep In this season, I feel like since having the kids and going through the newborn stage, I have not come out of newborn stage while my kids are happily sleeping at night and have been for a long time. I'm still waking up at three or four in the morning. And I mean... People will say so many different things about it. Maybe it's a magnesium deficiency or maybe you have up to and including like, I don't know, parasites like <laughs> there's just like a slew like adrenal dis- fatigue or maybe there's something wrong with your thyroid or just <laughs> there's it's the mattress. Y- yeah. It's, it's just the like, temperature. Yeah. This whole slew of things. And it kind of my thinking kind of got to this place where it's like maybe my sleep is just broken. Like maybe I'm just broken was kind of like the way I was feel like I just started thinking about it just subconsciously you know like there's something wrong with me and I have to figure out what it is and I'm not saying there's not something wrong with my sleep I'm not saying any one of those things that I mentioned that like could be a possibility aren't a thing or the thing or many things that are contributing to it um but After listening to that episode, I was like, you know what? I'm not going to say my sleep is broken anymore. I'm not even going to say it. I'm just going to move forward as though my body is designed to know how to function. And yes, there are things that come along the way. There are sicknesses or actual injuries like life happens, things happen. But in this particular case, I'm like, I'm just going to move forward Mm -hmm. doing the things that I can control and not. Spiraling down this, like, let me grab at any and every straw to say, or or let me grab at any and everything to see, to find the needle in the haystack of what could be the thing that's causing me not to be able to sleep. Maybe it's simply just the anxiety that I'm producing in myself that I can't sleep. You know, it's just like.
0: Yeah. Why is there such. Because this isn't just unique to you. I think this is a general human propensity to. Find the one thing, yeah, that is the root cause of everything. Yeah, why is that something that we like really want to do? Or I don't even know if I'm at if that's a good question. But it's like there's there's obviously a tendency for us to simplify something to a one thing that is missing, or something that that one thing that we're not doing, or the one thing that we don't have that we need to have in order, yeah, to have it solved. Like so for your case especially with a lot of opinions out there and a lot of different interpretations as to what's wrong and anecdotal evidence of what they have done to make it better. Mm -hmm. It's a whole like universe of remedies that you can try any different combinations of which and you spend the rest of your life trying to figure it out and never actually getting the answer.
1: Yeah. I don't know that I know the answer to that, but I do know that since the Garden of Eden, we have literally been grabbing at knowledge, <laughs> like to know,
0: mm-hmm. to and, know something that nobody else knows, or is it just have knowledge?
1: I think just just knowledge. I think not knowing things creates for for me. I'll just speak for myself. When I don't know. Like something's not clear to me, it creates doubt, it creates confusion. Mm-hmm. If somebody's withholding information from me, which would be, you know, knowledge, that just creates a situation I don't like to be in at all. And so I think there there is just something in us mm-hmm. that wants to know. Mm-hmm. Like we just want, and, and I don't I don't even, I'm not even saying that this is like a, a terrible Simple thing i don't i don't know i'm just saying i think in general we want to have to operate in clarity Mm -hmm. we want to operate in knowledge and so i think we you know for me i'll grab at anything and everything that will bolster that for myself because that then the that determines the next step i'm to take and how i ought to live my life yeah like we in our businesses, we use data and knowledge to learn what actions to take, what things to risk or not to risk. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, when we, when we don't have that, we don't know what next step to take. Right. So
0: Yeah, and I guess it's also, it, it becomes tiring to constantly feel like you have to think deeply and for a long time. For something that has been pestering, like nagging at you. And you feel like if you spend a little bit more time on it, you could come up with a solution and kind of move on with your life. So I guess there is... Like, it's just like that slow decision-making process part of your brain. Yeah. Versus the quick thoughts of, oh, it's just magnesium that I need. Yeah. In the case of the sleep deficiency. Yeah. And so, yeah, I think that is a curious thing because attaining knowledge is not a bad thing. Right. It's actually a good thing. Yeah. And like you said, as we've just had conversations around idolatry, it's when you make it an ultimate thing right? and maybe t- take to an extreme, your desire to have omniscience yeah. like God. Yeah. That could take into an extreme, this hunt for knowledge or to have the solution. Again, not a bad thing. Those are, kind of good things to want to have but is there a world in which we should live in where it is okay to not have all the answers
1: yeah I think that we become so aware of our limitedness and how out of control of outcomes we actually are the more we realize that we don't know you know what I mean that we're not omniscient (laughs) and so I think when it, you know, apply that to health, I think where I can find myself spiraling in this is if I think there's something wrong with me, but I don't know what it is, that can lead to, I don't know, I think I have everything. Yeah. And so it just creates a tough situation. So it's something that's been really interesting to me is just the connection of the mind, like our mind and our health like our overall health. And I know that there is a connection there. For sure. <laughs> like it's it's still in some ways a mystery to people even in the medical field, you know? And so for me, yeah, it was interesting to listen to that episode mm-hmm. because he did, one of the questions Andrew Huberman asked him was, you know, do you kind of separate or have different tactics for dealing with, like the emotional side of pain versus the physical side of pain. And this guy said, I don't tend to see those things as disconnected. But when somebody comes to me and they're in pain, they're in pain. And mm-hmm. It doesn't matter what kind of pain it is. Mm-hmm. Like it, it all becomes interconnected when you're dealing with the whole person. Mm-hmm. Because he talked about how even experiences of pain early in life, like that creates memory synapses and so that person will carry that later on yeah in their life and it affects how they might experience pain as an adult you know and so but some of the pain could actually be like a memory trigger that that person is experiencing more than the actual circumstance they might be facing when they're coming to the office for pain management so it's just so fascinating to it was a really interesting discussion i feel like that mm-hmm. they had
0: yeah i like how he chooses not to distinguish between physical and emotional pain and the mind being connected to the body is such a true thing i mean we've even seen it ourselves like we have smart watches that track heart rate and i've seen you know even just throughout a work day where if i'm stressing before a meeting or a call or if there's something that i feel like you know if if there's just stress at work for whatever reason mm-hmm. there's nothing that is physically happening to me i'm sitting in an office doing the exact same thing but on the heart rate monitor you can see that it's spiking mm-hmm. and it's one of those things where without a doubt there are things that are happening in your mind and in that instance i'm stressing or i'm I feel like I'm in a high pressure situation mm-hmm. and my body is responding, corresponding, like it's responding in line with how I'm feeling, mm-hmm. which is just one simple example of how those two things are so deeply connected and they shouldn't be seen as separate things because I do think there is a, think it, it's there's, there's something to be said about making sure that you are guarding how you were thinking about something because of how it might how your body might actually respond mm-hmm. to you know even like the recovery of an injury or yeah. yeah, you know, like the guy who left and didn't have the crutches anymore because he like mentally overcame what he thought was a barrier to the pain that he was experiencing, mm-hmm. and so yeah, I think also in our journey as just like where we're at in life, there's a sense of, you know, kind of the four stages of being subconsciously incompetent, Mm -hmm. like unconsciously incompetent. Mm -hmm. And I think in many aspects where we're at now is that we know that we don't know enough. And that's like in the four phases, it's you start off with unconsciously incompetent, consciously incompetent, consciously competent and and then then unconsciously unconsciously competent
1: competent. yeah where it's just intrinsic to who you are now right and so
0: and i'll explain those like the first phase is you're dumb and you don't know it
1: yeah or inexperienced you're inexperienced and you don't know it that's
0: like any guy in college (laughs) maximum confidence no idea with like the actual consequences yeah and you're unconsciously incompetent.
1: Yeah. Or anybody who's talking to somebody else who's in a different season of life than them. Yeah. That they haven't experienced. Like so you're you're pretty much unconsciously incompetent.
0: Yeah. That's stage one. Stage two is consciously incompetent. And in many areas, like those are things that you and I are experiencing for the first time. We are consciously aware that we don't know all the answers to parenting as an example Yeah, because we have a four-year-old and a one-year-old
1: yeah so i i'm only knowledgeable up to the point of like four years
0: yes (laughs) and that's where it flips to stage three where we are consciously competent with everything between zero to four sure and we've applied that to judo which somebody could argue that the way we've parented Judah is different from Evie purely for the fact that we were already experienced parents. Yeah, and so our approach to parenting him is not because it's we have some sort of preferential treatment to him. No, it's because our oldest has graciously taking all taken all of the experiments. Yeah, and we've learned from that, and now we are consciously competent in how we parent children from zero to four years old. Mm-hmm. And then that last stage is like basically where you've reached expertise level where you can rattle off all of these aspects or facts or data points in an any given area of competence and you don't even have to think about it anymore. And so that's where you're unconsciously
2: competent, competent.
0: Yeah. And so in this health journey, it's one of those things where you, we're at an age right now where these things start to matter. Yeah. What we eat start to matter. And I'm, I'm sure it's mattered all along, but I think, up to this point, we've been able to eat whatever we want and get away with it, sleep on whatever in any environment and get away with it. And now it's like, oh, there's factors involved with that impact my sleep, alcohol consumption, mm-hmm. the temperature of the room, like all of these things. are like, oh, it's a whole world. Magnesium. I didn't even know about magnesium until like the last three, four years. Mm-hmm. And so... I think in this journey too, when you do start to become conscious about how little you actually know, it becomes really, really daunting, and it's a an humbling place for you to realize there's actually a lot less that I know than I thought I did know. Yeah. And so, I think in the stages that we're going through, at the end of the day, like you change. I don't think it's bad. Yeah. That for the where you're at we know that motherhood has changed you in terms of like even if you just want to look at purely like hormonally. Yeah. (laughs) You know, and I'm not gonna go into the medicine of it, but there are shifts that happen to you Mm -hmm. postpartum. And whether or not how much weight they carry into like how you are changed now. Right. Is something you're trying to navigate through. Yeah. And just I think taking the stance that like I'm not going to say I have messed up sleep from postpartum, but just try all of the different ways that you can be successful. Yeah. At having good quality sleep and yeah. trying everything that we can do with like the lighting, and the ambiance. Yeah. And the, you know, the essential oil that's diffusing into the house <laughs> and make just make it really calming and relaxing. <laughs> I mean, you're doing all the things, the the lounge music with the, uh, the cafe scene yeah. on the TV.
1: For me, it's really going back to the basics. And if I'm not doing the... Ba- this is something you said. Yeah. Don't pursue anything else until you can confidently say the basics aren't working. And I've been consistently doing them for X amount of time. Yeah. And so for me, that meant, okay, what's my evening routine? And... The things that I'm, the activities that I'm doing conducive to restfulness, like, or I don't even know if there's a word like rest or Mm -hmm. is it mentally still stimulating my mind? So what are we consuming? Are we watching shows that have like, I don't know, crime and now I'm going to be like thinking about it all night or, you know, just things what's filling my mind in the hours leading up to me going to bed? And could any of that potentially be keeping my mind up, you know? And so are we dimming the lights? Am I making sure I'm off my screen, you know, at least two hours before bed? Am I making sure I'm drinking enough water during the day? Am I making sure that I'm eating well during the day? Have I worked, you know, done my workout that day? And then you know, for bedtime, am I like setting up little routines for myself with skincare or whatever that's just relaxing for my body? And so, yeah, it's, I feel like that's been helpful. And tonight I noticed like as soon as I dim the lights yeah. and put like ran my little diffuse, I just like having a smell. Yeah, it's like, nice. And so it was like, wow, I'm really tired now. And I I realized, like, man, my my sleep, it's not like my body doesn't know how to respond to these things. It's just that I don't know that I was doing them consistently enough for it to, I don't know. Let's just say I don't know if I was helping my body out. Yeah. I was probably doing a lot of, I I know I had a lot of screen time in the evenings because I'm tired after a day of (laughs) being with the kids and meltdowns. And, you know, I I was, like, emotionally absorbing all of their, like, meltdowns and yelling and right. defiance and so that's my like let me just kind of zone out and since preventing that or I guess like stopping that and doing other things that are more restful for me is has made a difference I think another thing is just when I wake up in the middle of the night not stressing myself out looking at the time what time is it What how many times do I wake up and now my mind is like anxious and my cortisol starting to like run again, you know? And so if I wake up, I don't look at the clock. I just, if I need to use the bathroom, I use the bathroom. I get back in bed. If I need to turn over, I turn over. I try to go back to sleep immediately. So even that has been helpful too. For me, it's not the getting to sleep part. It's the staying asleep. Mm -hmm. That's tough for me. So I'm trying not to stress about it.
0: (laughs) How well do you, Adapt to change.
1: How well do I adapt to change? Oh babe. I feel like you're asking me a question you already know the answer to when you say that. <laughs> you give them in the eyes. Like hmm, maybe it could be this. <laughs> I I will say this, I do like change in the sense that like I'm okay with like environmental no, I'm, I'm not, like moving things around. Like yeah, I'm a risk taker. I'm don't mind saying. taking risks. So so it depends, babe. I'll yeah. say it depends. I like doing new things, yeah, I'm not, I like adventures. I like you know, so change in and of itself doesn't bother me, but I will say um we have gone through some pretty significant changes in the past six right. months.
0: I'm not I'm not talking about choosing <laughs> A versus B. I'm talking I like about variety,
1: yeah, I like making like, new of course, choices. Yeah, I know these things. I like rearranging our furniture.
0: <laughs> I'm talking about how do you deal with change to the extent that the outcome that you see is not the one that you expect
1: yeah that is a little bit harder for me maybe slightly no actually it's i've just been through a lot in the past six months i experienced loss i lost a family member we lost i lost my sense of community Mm because we moved to a new place you know we moved so that just like everything everything was new it's just, I think it's, you know, we're almost six months in. So yeah. in my mind, I'm not thinking about that as a thing that might be causing some of these things anymore. Like I've moved on, you know? So now that you're just bringing this up, I'm like, oh, maybe my body is still literally responding to this. And yeah. I'm just like a million miles ahead. Like, yeah. come on, let's just like make new friends. And I don't know, go to all the fun places with the kids and yeah, do the things. And my body's like, well, you've been through a lot. Calm down.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think, what was our word of the year this year? I already forgot. And it's February.
1: Is this another question you're asking me to
0: see? No. (laughs) (laughs) What's the name of my parents? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah. I just want to see your cover story. Okay. Okay. (laughs) Uh, Chili. Yeah. Chill. I think that's something that I think we should continue to reiterate to ourselves. Because I think these are all interconnected. I think this sense of, you know, you're obviously going through a lot of change with the community. It's not been that long since it's been less than a year. Yeah. And there are things that are changing, not as a result of that, but just factually changing. You know, you're having issues on the sleep side. And we're in a new place. We have to figure out new healthcare providers just all of the actual change, and and then also overlaying that with because things are new and unfamiliar, there's a tendency to try and find answers online to figure mm-hmm. out okay what's wrong with my sleep. Yeah, that's like
1: the worst place. Yeah, and I know that WebMD is the worst but, place. But like, who doesn't do that? No, know, it's just like we know that. That's just the age that the, we're in. The worst place that we could go to, and yet, and just.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So this hunt for knowledge. Yeah. Because it could provide that sense of relief potentially. Yeah. Where is there any connection between looking to the internet for answers when our hope at the end like on the one side we have our hope in Christ and he is our provider. Yeah. And he is our he is our healer. Yep. On the other side, we have the wealth of unlimited knowledge in the Internet and everybody's opinion that are in the Internet. And so how do you marry those two things such that your ability to attain knowledge or have unlimited access to knowledge doesn't replace the hope and faith that you should be having in Christ in how you embrace the change that you are experiencing because I would tend to say, I probably go to WebMD and Reddit before I bring my requests and petitions to God.
1: Mm-hmm. Same, yeah.
0: And it's probably like one of the last things I do. Mm-hmm. So, how do we, in a season of change, embrace the change in a way that is honoring to the Lord and instead of your browser history full of sleep remedies?
1: Yeah. I mean, I don't know the answer. For anybody else listening to this. Yeah. Sorry to disappoint, but I know.
2: (laughs) I was hoping for an answer. No,
1: I, I feel like what I have been doing and trying to practice in my own life, like the only thing I know to personally do is I have tried, I'm really focusing on my morning and my evening routines because that's where a lot of consumption happens. Yeah. That's the time where I feel like I'm most prone and vulnerable to getting into the weeds of these types of things, you know? So I really am trying to guard that time and fill it with things that are conducive to my healing in this season. And that's like emotionally and just physical stuff of like coming out of postpartum, yeah. coming like trying to repair my sleep, like all these things, Mm -hmm. you know? So, One thing that I've been trying to practice when I can actually wake up in the mornings is to literally ask the Lord, What needs to, what do I need to let go of? Yeah. From yesterday. Yeah. And, and really kind of build into my life a practice of that could be confession, but also like just things that I'm holding on to that's causing me anxiety, that's causing me maybe resentment that's causing me bitterness or anger or whatever it is like, and just have been trying to practice asking the Lord to bring those things to my mind. Like, what are some of these things? (laughs) Like, what are the things that like mentally and emotionally that could be contributing to some of my physical, like the issues that I might be facing? And so that at least I can say on that side, like, I'm doing work to like Mm -hmm. try to make sure that there's not something there that is negatively impacting my health, like my anxiety levels or whatever it is. Um, especially in this season where I am grieving the loss of my sister and really just like asking the Lord to bring those things that need healing to mind and like write it down. And from there, just like, use that as a practice for like kind of, I was going to say like metaphorically, but not metaphorically, but like actually surrendering that, you know, like I'm going to let go of this. Like this is something that I've been holding onto. If it's something that needs confession, I confess it. Yeah. <laughs> and help me to like, help me to release it. Help me not to carry this into this next day. Um, and that. Just those things of like the morning and the evening, like making sure I'm taking out the consumption in the evening, but also adding this piece of reflection in the morning, I feel like has been helpful for me. It's not the answer, but it's something that I'm doing that is helpful. I I know that there is fruit in it in this season.
0: I mean, it just goes back to the conversation we had last about do more of the things that are good for you and do less of the things that are not good for you. Yeah. And building that into a routine where you're doing these things in a structured manner in the mornings and the evenings, because there's a lot of imp- unpredictability throughout the day. Yeah. Depending on what stage of life that you're in. And yeah. so particularly for you as a mother raising children at home, nothing's predictable.
1: Yeah. From seven to seven, the right. kids have a hundred percent of my time. Right. Right.
0: And so you're pulling 12-hour shifts, but there is something that you can expect to set up for yourself before and after those hours. Yeah. And also is a sense of rhythm that is built into how we work, like in terms of humans and in our bodies. And if you want to spiritualize it, like there's a rhythm of the week where the Lord has set from the beginning of time a day of rest. Mm -hmm. And we are huge believers in that there's this sense of rhythm and rest and expectation and work and like routine that we should consciously build out because it produces thrive like human flourishing by setting ourselves up for these types of set things that we know we can look forward to or we know that we can expect every morning or in every evening. And so I think as you face that type of change, right, or you face a lot of, uncertainty or you face a lot of change in like what's happening to your sleep. Mm -hmm. Looking back to these types of routines where we are taking a mental account for like what do our evenings or our mornings look like and how are we setting ourselves up well to make sure we don't disconnect our WebMD searches from our realization that like God is in control. He is all sufficient and we can trust in him to guide us through any of the uncertainty. Mm -hmm. And there's like an in-between way that we should, we should try to take that doesn't purely just devote all of your time to finding the golden ticket that will solve all of your sleep problems, but also not completely just abandon learning the actual like medicine or the actual exercises or things that you could be doing to help improve the sleep that you are lacking. So Mm -hmm. Yeah, I like that and it's really definitely something that as you become more aware in your journey of unconsciously incompetent to now consciously incompetent and all so on and so forth, building in the routines in your day-to-day and week-to-week so that it is conducive to being able to have the right framework Mm -hmm. as you face the change. It's definitely something that I've, I've seen you really try to do well and I love the diffused oils that you have going on and so i'm all for it well hey guys thanks for listening to this episode of table talks with the tares
1: we'd love to hear from you and if there's something you'd specifically like for us to talk about
0: visit honors
1: slash table talks to let us know
0: and if this episode was helpful to you be sure to subscribe and to also share it with a friend we really appreciate your support
1: all music is from the og mj tare join us next time for another conversation at our table